God, in this place, the only thing that we can offer is ourselves, our heart, our mind. So God, in this place, we offer ourselves to you. We thank you for being the beginning of life, the creator of everything that we know. In this place, we stand in awe of who you are. God, amazed that you handcrafted each and every one of us to be exactly who you determined we would be. God, I pray that in this place we would abide with you. We would, we would be with you in this place. That we'd purpose to lock our eyes with you and our heart with you. God, we would walk in this love that you've invited us in. We're so thankful to gather together as your church and we give you this morning, we pray that you speak to each and every one of us. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your creation. Thank you for who you are. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you for leading us in, in worship. Um, welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, um, just shake it up a little bit. Um, we're, we're a people that are trying to figure this thing out. We love God, uh, and we love people. We've been walking through the book of Luke for a very long time. We're kind of nearing the, the end of the book of Luke, if you believe it. We're going to finish chapter 21 today. So if you don't have a Bible, uh, there's a Bible over on the lamps on each side of you. Uh, you can open it up. We're going to be in Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 38. Uh, last week, Weston Kurz sitting in the back, raise your hand, give one a big old wave, did an incredible job, and so if we can clap it out for Weston, he, uh, <laughs> he talked about money in church, wow, man, I'm glad that wasn't me, uh, he, did a, he did a great job, thank you, Weston, I got to tell you, church, um, you may or may not know, if you've been coming for a while, um, you, hopefully you know, but we've got some incredible, we have some incredible leaders here at Church Project. Um, it's, it's not just one person leading this thing. We have a plurality of leadership. And continue to pray because from the very beginning, we've been a church structured under leadership. And now what we're beginning to transition into is we're going to begin praying about and transitioning into being an elder-led plurality of leadership where multiple men are leading us in multiple directions. It's biblical, and we're not a church plant anymore. Like, we're not, we're not a church startup anymore. We are a church, and we're going to be here for a very long time. So I'm excited to tell you, you have incredible leaders here. God is building His church. It takes all of us to move together. All of us moving in the giftings that, that he's given us. Like, I would, I would be terrible in doing certain aspects of this church work. But what I can do, I will do. And what we can do as a church, let's continue to do this. Um, last week, uh, Weston talked and did a great job in the first four verses of Luke. And this week, we are going to tackle a tremendous amount of verses. Uh, Typically what we do is we go through and, and we kind of pick apart verses and look at them when, in, di in, in detail and, and, and see what God is, is teaching us. Today what we're going to do though, we're going to be covering verses 5 through 38. Yeah, that's right. You heard me. We're going, we're going, we're going for it. But what we're going to do is I think God is going to show each and every one of us some big scope, some big uh, theme for today. 
Um, I, got, I have to tell you, um, if you've come in here today uh, and, you're, and you're from Greeley and if you're associated with, with Dayspring, um, we've had a tremendously hard week here. Maybe you've watched the news or you've been a part of, of what's been happening, but in short, this is what's happened. Uh, we, two people died this week. Uh, one is critically um, wounded right now, and we're praying for her. Uh, but one of, the, stu- one of the, the persons that died this week was a student, a senior uh, from Dayspring. Uh, if you walked in through these doors, you walked past her locker um, it was a tragedy. Friday morning, I don't know, maybe 200 students in this very room, crying, um, processing, trying to go through grief counseling and what that looks like. How, how do you walk through tragedy like this? Um, God, in his perfect knowledge and strength, Knew that today there were going to be people. Knew that this week we were going to go through some hard things at Dayspring Christian Academy and the students and the parents and Greeley and people involved. He, he knew this and he knew that even Church Project, we were going to be going through passages. And as we look at this passage today, Jesus speaks and he teaches us about life and death. Huh. I'm glad you're here. Don't know if you were casually involved with what happened this week or if you were intimately involved with what happened this week. But here's the deal. Jesus loves you and and he brought you here today and he wants you to focus in on who he is and he wants to heal you. He wants to teach you. He wants to love you. So today, my prayer and our prayer, even this morning as we met with our leadership team, is that where you come in today, how you come in today, how your heart is today, how you are as an individual coming in here today, you would find place to worship God. When life is going good, when life is hard, that we would stand and say, God, this is about you. God, this is from you. God, this is for you. And we trust you. So church, it's with a heavy heart I give this message, but it's also with a, an excited heart that I give this message because we have a message of hope even when there's despair all around us. I want us, if we would, open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 21. We're going to start reading in, in verse 5. We're not going to project the, the verses on the screen. Not that that's bad, but we want you to hold the, the Word of God in your hand. So if you don't own a Bible, please go get one from the lamps. Raise your hand. We'll bring you one. We want everyone to, to hold this. Uh, so bear with me as, as we read through this, and then we'll see what God has for us. Luke chapter 21. Verses 5 through 38. I should have brought my glasses, huh? Okay, here we go. (laughs) And while some were speaking uh, speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, Jesus, as these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, When will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Verse 8. And he said, See that they, that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and, and tumults, political turmoils or revolutions, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Verse 10, when he, 
Then he said to them, Nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and and pestilence. And there will be terrors and, and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth uh, of wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out of the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of their sword and be led captives among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun and moon and star and on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and the foreboding apprehension of what is coming on the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in in a cloud of power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads. Because your redemption is drawing near. Verse 29. As he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree. All the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf. You see for yourselves. You know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place. You know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you. This generation. Humanity. Will not pass away. Until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch for yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with the dissipation, behavior completely without moral restraint, and drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olive. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Did you get all that? Did you get the story? There's no way you did. I mean, I've been, I've been studying this for a long time this week and thinking about it a, a long time. There's a lot here. 
One of the things I appreciate about Church Project is that we want you to open up your Bible. We want you to read this thing. I can, I can only go through and I can only highlight a few things today that, that I feel like God is teaching us in this moment. And how does that impact our lives and what does that mean for us today as we enter into this place? Well, as we look at Luke right here, the early fathers canonized the Bible and included Luke. And when they included Luke, um, they, they did so. And as we look at Luke, we look at the very beginning. Luke was, was written so that Philophilus, if you want to look in the first part of Luke, he was writing so that this, this great man, Theophilus, man, Chad, Theophilus, would know the things of Jesus. Luke, the author, he is a doctor. He's an historian. He's a writer. He traveled and he interviewed people who had walked with Jesus. He carefully organized an accurate detail of the life of Jesus Christ. That's who Luke is. And, and, and he wrote it for us so that we would know the life of Jesus Christ. And up to this point, Jesus and his disciples, they've been, they've been out and about. They've been, they've been out in, in the areas teaching and preaching. They've been going to little towns, and they've been going all over the place. And now they've come, and we're entering into the last week of Jesus' life, the last few days. And they come into Jerusalem, and this is where we find ourselves. They enter into Jerusalem right now for three, three and a half years. They've been out and about. Now they're in Jerusalem. And in the beginning part, talks about the temple. Here's how I kind of describe their scenario, and maybe you can relate, okay? Any of you ever go camping? No one. Come, serious, raise your hands. Jeff, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, it's Colorado, we go camping. Our family, we always have good intentions, like every summer. We're going camping every weekend. Lord, did we even go once this summer? We didn't even make it once. I remember our last camping trip. I think this was our last one. It was in Estes Park. And it was, uh, we, we take a lot camping. This is like barely camping. Like air mattresses, all this stuff, coffee pots, you know. But, but uh, I, I picture us coming down from Estes Park. And, and we'd only been gone maybe a day, 24 hours. But if you're like our family, we come down off the mountain and our hair's like, I mean, we have dirt all over us. Our, our hands and, and mouth are sticky from the s'mores. Um, our stomach hurts because all we did was eat junk food. Like, we stink. We smell like smoke. And we went to relax. And we just can't wait to get home, take a shower, and go to bed. Like, that's, that's our camping trip. But how was your camping trip? Something similar? Anybody want to go camping with us? We actually really enjoy it. We just don't get to go enough. But, as, as I see the disciples and I see Jesus, so this is kind of how I picture them. It was probably nothing like this, no s'mores or anything, but I picture them coming out of the wilderness and coming into Jerusalem and, and coming and, and seeing this temple and the grandeur of this temple and just kind of going, wow, civilization, look at this, like, wow. Let's talk about the temple for a second in verse 5, it kind of, kind of, alludes to it, talks about it, but temple. Uh, Herod the Great wanted uh, to, to rebuild, and he's very complex in what he builds. He wants it to be impressive when he rebuilds the temple. So this temple that we're talking about, the temple courts, the vast area surrounding the temple and divided in, was divided into the courts of the Gentile, the courts of the women, courts of the Israelites, which was the men, the wall. The walls encompassed approximately 35 acres. This is not small. This is, this is big. 
The majority of its stones of the temple weighed about two to five tons each. The inner wall was encompassing of the temple itself had ten gates, each with two doors measuring about 45 feet high and 22 feet wide. Some scholars estimate that this temple at one time could hold 180,000 people inside it. Have you ever been anywhere with 180,000 people inside it? So imagine the havens coming off the mountains from camping in Estes Park, smelling like smoke and coming into the temple and going, whoa. Like, wow, we need to go take a bath or shower or something. You know, this is, this is not small. This is huge. The disciples come, and this is the temple that they're looking at. And, and Jesus begins to teach them and begins to talk to them. And, and what is Jesus saying? He's, he's warning them in verse 6. Jesus is warning against the, the destruction of this temple, the very temple they're looking at. The doors that are 45 feet high and 22 feet wide. And disciples are kind of looking at that. Jesus is warning, saying that this is about to, to happen. The, the temple's about to be destroyed. Jerusalem's about to be destroyed. And if you know your church history in about 70, 69, 70, 71 AD, what happens? Jerusalem is dis- destroyed. And, and we call it the diaspora, and the Jews were scattered from among Jerusalem. And what Jesus, he's looking at his disciples and said, what you're looking at, it's impressive, huh? But it's not going to be here forever. I think that alone is a good reason that Church Project will never spend a ton of money on a church building, right? I mean, we're going we're to be simple in what we do. The things that we have around us, our houses, our Fancy cars, our cool watches, everything that we have, this is temporary stuff. It's just, it's just going to disappear. And as the disciples are looking at the temple, they understand that this is huge. This is enormous and impressive. And Jesus says, even this, even this will be destroyed. Church, are we setting up or digging in like this is forever? I want to ask that question again. In our lives, are we setting up and digging in like this is forever? Like we're consumed in the temporal and we're not thinking about the eternal. We're, we're, so, we're, so, we're so like our time is taken up with the stuff that we can gather and the shiny things. And, and we're so consumed in that church. Are we digging in and acting like this is our home? Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's teaching them. He's saying, this temple will be destroyed. And, and what does he do? Jesus again is reminding them that he soon will leave them. They're not quite grasping this yet. He's saying, I soon will leave you and I will be destroyed. I, I will be annihilated and I will come back. I will return. God will return one day. And, and Jesus, is, this isn't a new message and he's trying to teach it to the disciples over and over again and they're just not quite getting it. And Jesus again is teaching them this. One of the wonderful complexities about the Trinity of God and what makes up God is that Jesus himself doesn't even know the time of God's return. Look it up, John 15, 15. 
Jesus himself doesn't even know the, 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 the time of God's return. And he's saying, my friends, I will teach you what my father shows me. And he's trying to teach him about the end time. And, and so what we're doing in this passage today is we're, we're going to take a micro look at this passage. We're not going to get down and look at the, 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 the uh, we're going to take a macro look, not a micro look. We're not going to talk about, are you a pre-trib or a mid-trib or a post-trib? Is Jesus going to reign the earth for a thousand years? We're not going to get into the complexities of this because there's people here today Every single one of us that as we look at this passage, we're going, Jesus, where are you and how does this impact my life today? So as we look at this passage right here, I want to I point you to, to verse 7 here. And they asked him, teacher, when, when will these things be? And what will be the signs of, that these things will occur? They're asking him, uh, how will we know? What signs should we be looking for that this will be destroyed and that Jesus, you will return? Well, they're asking him these questions. These are very basic questions. And Jesus begins to teach and he says, bad things are going to happen before I return. Uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Isn't this a good message? Bad things are going to happen before we turn. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, look at verse 9. Wars and revolutions. Verse 10, international wars. Verse 11 and verse 25. Look at that. Well, look what nature, look what starts happening in nature. A natural disturbances, disasters. Look at verse 12. Church is persecuted. Look at verse 16. You're going to be betrayed by family and friends. They're going to turn you in. Things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. And I'm just giving us an overview of what this passage looks like. And my hope is that you will go today and you will study this and you will begin to read this. We get down to verse 17. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Jesus is saying this to his disciples. You will be hated. Church, do we stand boldly and say that we love God, that we serve God, that we are Christ followers, we're Christians, we want to be like Christ? I mean, yet, but yet, we, we're, we're just ignorant enough to think that this life is, is going to be easy and it's going to be casual. Good news, congratulations, it only gets worse from this point, and especially as Christ followers, it only gets worse in this temporal body that we have from this point forward. You will be hated because of me. If you watch reports, sometimes reports are down about Christianity, like Debbie Downer about Christianity, and it's failing. Here's, here's fact. There's more people dying today and being martyred today for their faith and being a Christian than ever before in the time of history. Today. But yet we, we, brothers, we have brothers and sisters around the world that just because they believe in who Jesus is and they call themselves Christians, they will be killed. Does that us today in this place? No. It's not. I'm a Christian. That alone gets brothers and sisters around the world killed. And more people dying for their faith than ever. And I think it's crazy that, that these people are being martyred. And why? It's because they believe the same thing we do. And what's the message? The message is about love and the message is about peace. And yet they're getting martyred for wanting to live a life of love and peace. Isn't that crazy to you? It only gets worse before it gets better. Quite honestly and personally, I don't think that America will see revival again until we see persecution. Verse 
until Christians stand up, until they start affecting our life and, and we can't help but tell people and show people. I think persecution will be coming. Here's a couple of incredibly good books, incredible good books for you to read if you'd like to. It's Heavenly Man is one book about a man persecuted for, for decades for believing in Jesus Christ. Another great book is one my grandpa um, gave, gave our entire family, and it's one of my books I read once a year. It's called Back to Jerusalem. Write those books down. You want to hear that there's actually persecution happening around the world? Read these books. Know that this is real, that this is true. So in verse 17, it says, You're going to be hated because of my name. Verse 18, but not a hair on your head will, be, will perish. By the endurance, by your endurance, you will gain lives. He's talking about the end times. He's saying, you may die, but you won't be destroyed. You may die in this earth. Oh, but you won't be destroyed. What's John 3.16? Everyone knows it. I mean, it's, the, it's this banner that people hold up at Super Bowls, right? What's John 3.16? Can we say it out loud? For God so. Kind of faded out. <laughs> Shall not perish but have eternal life. You may die, but you will not be destroyed. Other parts of the Bible talks about, you know, you can kill this body, but you, you, you cannot kill the soul. You could kill this body, but you cannot kill the soul. And I skipped over what I think is one of the, the, the like pivotal parts of this entire passage right here. And I skipped over it so we could go back. That's a teaching method. Huh? You like that? I skipped it so we could go back and we could just kind of hover around it a little bit. And it, it, it's found in verse 13. Did you, did, were you wondering why I kind of skipped over verse 13? This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Our life, where we go, what we be, what we be, what we do, who we are, whatever it may be, whatever happens in your life is about you being a witness for Him. In your work, If you find yourself in prison, Jesus says, don't worry if you find yourself in prison. Don't worry if you find yourself in front of these people. I'll give you the words to say, don't worry about your life. In in life, and yes, even in death. For some of us today, that really hits home. You know, my prayer is, my prayer for this week, my prayer for day spring, my prayer for just, just humanity at large, but especially in our place right here, right now. I pray that the, the death that we experienced this week, the physical death that we experienced this week, is an awakening for the students of Dayspring, for the teachers, for Greeley, that yes, even in death, his name will be known. It doesn't help us process, it doesn't help us mourn, but it does say that we may look like we're losing right now, but we've won. 
And can we stand and say, God, with our job, with our life, even with our death, may your name be known. May we, God, number 13, bear, or verse 13, may we use our opportunity of life, breath, and even death, that's your name, that we can bear witness to who you are for your name's sake. This is why we are here. This is why we are a church. We want to abide in you every day of our life, and we want to walk with you. And even in our death, may the world know that you reign. Amen? Get down to, to verse 19. It says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. These are signs that you are reminded to, to keep trusting in me. Hey, church, by your endurance, endure. Keep trusting in me. Keep trusting in me. And look in verse 36. I think it's very similar to verse 19. What does 36 say? It says, stay, it was say? Stay, stay awake. Stay awake. But stay awake at all times. Trust in me no matter what's happening in life. Stay awake. So I think 19 and 36 kind of go together. Trust in me. Stay awake. Then we look at verse 9 and verse 33. I think those two kind of go together. What, what, what does verse 9 say? Don't be terrified. Oh, well, yeah. Easy for you to say. Like, don't be terrified. Look at, and then he goes through, don't be terrified. No, no, seriously, don't be terrified. Even though there's wars and rumors of wars, you're going to be turning, you may die. Like, don't be, ter- don't be terrified. You get to verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass. We can get scared, can't we? Look at verse 26. Some people are going to be so terrified that what, they even faint from fear and trembling. And, and Jesus says, don't be terrified. Your life, the life that you're living right now, the life that you, the circumstances, the situations, everything that you're going through, you can trust me. My word does not fail. I am there in that moment. And can we, church, verse 13, can we live our lives and even live our death so that your name will be known? Don't be terrified, church. Yet to be politically correct and to not offend, offend, we water down verse 33. You know, look at verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We, we, we water that down, and we water down God and our theology, and we begin to almost take on a mindset of universalism that says God is one way to heaven, and we begin to water this down. Our theology about who God is begins to waver, and, and you know, and, but then what, what do we do with when we come with, I am the way, the truth, and the life? How do we mix that with this watered-down theology? We can't do it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. When we begin to water that down and we begin to water down His truth, we've turned Jesus in from Lord into a liar. And we're far from Him. Church, Jesus, His Word, who He is, it doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. He can be trusted. Even when in our worldly scenario and in our temporal, we don't understand and things are coming up against us and we have deaths among us and things happen and we see persecution and we see the, the, the waves and the seas crashing and the world around us is in chaos. 
Please be reminded, church, that Jesus said it would be this way. And these are the signs of Jesus coming back. And he loves humanity. He's redeeming us to himself. And my prayer with my life, with all my stuff, with all my things, with all my talents or lack of talents, with all my being, I pray that verse 13 is my life. That his name will be known. We pray that at Dayspring. I pray that with my family. Church, don't be terrified of these things. Let's stand strong in who Jesus is. Let's not waver in our theology of who he is. Let's stand and say, God, you are the author of everything. You're the creator of everything. And we believe in you. We may, we may not understand why certain things happen. But God, we can stand on who you are and we can say you are good and we trust you. We trust that what you're doing is for the good of humanity and for your name's sake. So how are you grieving today? What are you going through today? What are some things that that you're working through today and, and it's hard? Jesus says, I'm there in the middle of it. I want to walk with you. I want to help you through this. Trust me. I love you. Come to me if you're hurting. Cry on my shoulder. Ask me questions. But I love you. I can't think of a better way to end this message than Psalms 46. I told you this was going to be just an overview. So I only highlighted a couple parts of this message, and I'm trusting that God himself is teaching you, and I'm trusting you that that you'll even leave here today and want to know more about the passage we just came through. But Psalms 46 is what I want to end in today. Um, if you could, open your Bible and, and open it up to Psalms 46, and, and let's stand. What do we do with this fear? What do we do with the unknown? What do we do when we don't understand? What do we do when life around us is, is crumbling in, in chaotic form? We turn to Psalms 46, just like David's did, King, King David, and he said, don't be terrified. And so let's read Psalms 46. Verse 1 says this. Let's read it together out loud. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen, church? God, in this place today, we stand and we say, you are a fortress, you are a rock. And in a world that sometimes we just don't understand, God, we lift our hands and we say we trust you, God. God, and in the pain of the life, in the hard times of life, we lift our hands and say, God, would you please show us who you are? And may you use not only our life, but our death to point to you. God, may everything that we are be about you. May we continue to abide in you and to be with you and to walk with you every day, knowing that you've put us here for a great purpose. God, I pray that you awaken in us those things, you know, those small things that we just don't take serious. I pray that you even awaken those things in our life and that everything in our life begs the question, how does this point to you? How do you get glory in everything I have and everything that I am? God, thank you that you are our rock. I pray that we as your church trust you, stand firm in you, and move with you. Church, in this place, I don't know a better way to, to worship God than to be together, to say, Jesus, it's about you. Raise our hands and sing to him. We have multiple ways that we can worship him together in this place. We have offering over on your right. We have communion over on your right. Communion, what's that? Communion is something that God's asked us to do. He says, remember what I've done for you when I died on the cross. Remember, I took my body and I hung it on the cross for you. It was broken and my blood was spilled. And so he says, remember this. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, some of us, we need to remember what God has done for us. So today we can do that. And here in a little bit, whenever God prompts you and whenever you're ready, just move over to the right and pick up one of the the crackers that represents his body and just dip it in the grape juice that represents his blood and do it in remembrance of what he's done for you. Do it as a family. Pray to him. Say, thank you, God, for your body and your blood that was broken and spilled on my behalf. Some of us in this place, we need to just say, God, I confess it's been about me. And I hand that to you. I'm sorry. Some of us, we're just scared. We're terrified. God says, don't be. 
I'm the past, present, I'm the future, I'm the same, I don't change. You can count on me, you can trust me, even when you don't understand. So if we're going through things today that we don't understand, I I encourage you, pray, talk with God, worship him, find someone, pray with them. We'll have people up on your front right that would love to pray with you, help you through anything that you're going through. But church, don't leave here the same way as you came in. Let's take all of life, the good, the bad, the things we understand and we don't, and let's point to him and say, God, we trust you and we worship you in this place. If you have a child in Project Kids, I'd encourage you, go retrieve them, take your ticket, retrieve them and come back and then let's worship together as this family as we point and say, Jesus, you are our rock, you are our fortress and it's about you. Amen, church?